0: THE CASE OF THE POCKET DIARY FOUND IN THE SNOW. CHAPTER 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don Larson in Minnesota. THE CASE OF THE POCKET DIARY FOUND IN THE SNOW by Frau Augusta Groner. INTRODUCTION TO JOE MULLER. Joseph Muller, Secret Service detective of the Imperial Austrian Police, is one of the great experts in his profession. In personality he differs greatly from other famous detectives. He has neither the impressive authority of Sherlock Holmes nor the keen brilliancy of Monsieur Lecoq. Muller is a small, slight, plain-looking man of indefinite age and of much humbleness of mien. A naturally retiring, modest disposition, and two external causes are the reasons for Muller's humbleness of manner, which is his chief characteristic. One cause is the fact that in early youth a miscarriage of justice gave him several years in prison, an experience which cast a stigma on his name, and which made it impossible for him, for many years after, to obtain honest employment. But the world is richer and safer by Muller's early misfortune for it was this experience which threw him back on his own peculiar talents for livelihood and drove him into the police force. Had he been able to enter any other profession, his genius might have been stunted to a mere pastime instead of being as now utilized for the public good then the red tape and bureaucratic etiquette which attaches to every governmental department puts the secret service men of the imperial police on a par with the lower ranks of the subordinates muller's official rank is scarcely much higher than that of a policeman although kings and councillors consult him and the police department realizes to the full what a treasure it has in him but official red tape and his early misfortune PREVENT THE GIVING OF ANY HIGHER OFFICIAL STANDING TO EVEN SUCH A GENIUS. BORN AND bred TO SUCH CONDITIONS, MULLER UNDERSTANDS THEM AND HIS NATURAL MODESTY OF DISPOSITION, ASKS FOR NO OUTWARD HONORS, ASKS FOR NOTHING BUT AN INCOME SUFFICIENT FOR HIS SIMPLE NEEDS, AND FOR AID AND OPPORTUNITY TO OCCUPY HIMSELF IN THE WAY HE MOST ENJOYS joseph muller's character is a strange mixture the kindest hearted man in the world he is a human bloodhound when once the lure of the trail has caught him he scarcely eats or sleeps when the chase is on he does not seem to know human weakness nor fatigue in spite of his frail body ONCE PUT ON A CASE HIS MIND DELVES AND DELVES UNTIL IT FINDS A clue. THEN SOMETHING AWAKENS WITHIN HIM, A SPIRIT AKIN TO THAT WHICH HOLDS THE BLOODHOUND NOSE TO TRAIL, AND HE WILL ACCOMPLISH THE APPARENTLY IMPOSSIBLE, HE WILL TRACK DOWN HIS VICTIM WHEN THE ENTIRE MACHINERY OF A GREAT POLICE DEPARTMENT SEEMS HELPLESS TO DISCOVER ANYTHING. The high chiefs and commissioners grant a condescending permission when Muller asks, May I do this? Or may I handle this case this way? Both parties knowing all the while that it is a farce, and that the department waits helpless until this humble little man saves its honor by solving some problem, before which its intricate machinery has stood dazed and puzzled this call of the trail is something that is stronger than anything else in muller's mentality and now and then it brings him into conflict with the department or with his own better nature sometimes his unerring instinct discovers secrets in high places secrets which the police department is bidden to hush up and leave untouched muller is then taken off the case and left idle for a while if he persists in his opinion as to the true facts and at other times muller's own warm heart gets him into trouble he will track down his victim driven by the power in his soul which is stronger than all volition but when he has this victim in the net he will sometimes discover him to be a much finer better man than the other individual whose wrong at this particular criminal's hand set in motion the machinery of justice. Several times that has happened to Muller, and each time his heart got the better of his professional instincts, of his practical common sense too, perhaps, at least as far as his own advancement was concerned. And he warned the victim, defeating his own work. This peculiarity of Muller's character caused his undoing at last, his official undoing, that is, and compelled his retirement from the force. But his advice is often sought unofficially by the department, and to those who know, Muller's hand can be seen in the unravelling of many a famous case. The following stories are but a few of the many interesting cases that have come within the experience of this great detective. But they give a fair portrayal of Muller's peculiar method of working, his looking on himself as merely an humble servant of the department, and the comedy of his acting under official orders, when the department is, in reality, following out his directions. End of Introduction the CASE OF THE POCKET DIARY FOUND IN THE SNOW CHAPTER I. THE DISCOVERY IN THE SNOW A quiet winter evening had sunk down upon the great city. The clock in the old clumsy church steeple of the factory district had not yet struck eight when the side door of one of the large buildings opened and a man came out into the silent street. It was Ludwig Amster one of the working men in the factory starting on his homeward way it was not a pleasant road this street along the edge of the city the town showed itself from its most disagreeable side here with malodorous factories rickety tenements untidy open stretches and dumping grounds offensive both to eye and nostril Even by day the street that Amster took was empty. By night it was absolutely quiet and dark, as dark as were the thoughts of the solitary man. He walked along, brooding over his troubles. Scarcely an hour before he had been discharged from the factory because of his refusal to submit to the injustice of his foreman. The yellow light of the few lanterns showed nothing but high board walls and snowdrifts, stone heaps, and now and then the remains of a neglected garden. Here and there a stunted tree or a wild shrub bent their twigs under the white burden which the winter had laid upon them. Ludwig Amster, who had walked this street for several years, knew his path so well that he could take it blindfolded. The darkness did not worry him, but he walked somewhat more slowly than usual, for he knew that under the thin covering of fresh-fallen snow there lay the ice of the night before. He walked carefully, watching for the slippery places. He had been walking about half an hour, perhaps, when he came to a cross street. Here he noticed the tracks of a wagon the trace still quite fresh, as the slowly falling flakes did not yet cover it. The tracks led out towards the north, out on to the hilly open fields. Amster was somewhat astonished. It was very seldom that a carriage came into this neighbourhood, and yet these narrow wheel tracks could have been made only by an equipage of that character. The heavy trucks which passed these roads occasionally had much wider wheels, but Amster was to find still more to astonish him. In one corner near the crossroads stood a solitary lamp post. The light of the lamp fell sharply on the snow, on the wagon tracks, and on something else besides. Amster halted, bent down to look at it, "'and shook his head as if in doubt. "'A number of small pieces of glass gleamed up at him, "'and between them, like tiny roses, "'red drops of blood shone on the white snow. "'All this was a few steps to one side of the wagon-tracks. "'What can have happened here, "'here in this weird spot, "'where a cry for help would never be heard?' where there would be no one to bring help so amster asked himself but his discovery gave him no answer his curiosity was aroused however and he wished to know more he followed up the tracks and saw that the drops of blood led further on although there was no more glass the drops could still be seen for a yard further reaching out almost to the board fence that edged the sidewalk. Through the broken planks of this fence the rough bare twigs of a thorn-bush stretched their brown fingers. On the upper side of the few scattered leaves there was snow and blood. Amster's wide, serious eyes soon found something else. Beside the bush there lay a tiny package. He lifted it up, It was a small, light, square package, wrapped in ordinary brown paper. Where the paper came together it was fastened by two little lumps of black bread, which were still moist. He turned the package over and shook his head again. On the other side was written, in pencil, the lettering, uncertain, as if scribbled in great haste and in agitation, the sentence, Please take this to the nearest police station. The words were like a cry for help, frozen onto the ugly paper. Amster shivered. He had a feeling that this was a matter of life and death. The wagon tracks in the lonely street. The broken piece of glass and the drops of blood, showing that some occupant of the vehicle had broken the window. IN THE HOPE OF ESCAPE PERHAPS, OR TO THROW OUT THE PACKAGE, WHICH SHOULD BRING ASSISTANCE. ALL THESE FACTS GROUPED THEMSELVES TOGETHER IN THE BRAIN OF THE INTELLIGENT WORKING MAN, TO FORM SOME TERRIBLE TRAGEDY WHERE HIS ASSISTANCE, IF GIVEN AT ONCE, MIGHT BE OF GREAT USE. HE HAD A WARM HEART, BESIDES, A HEART THAT REACHED OUT TO THIS UNKNOWN, WHO WAS IN DISTRESS and who threw out the call for help which had fallen into his hands he waited no longer to ponder over the matter but started off at a full run for the nearest police station he rushed into the room and told his story breathlessly they took him into the next room the office of the commissioner for the day The official in charge, who had been engaged in earnest conversation with a small, frail-looking, middle-aged man, turned to Amster with a question as to what brought him there. "'I found this package in the snow. Let me see it.' Amster laid it on the table. The older man looked at it, and as the commissioner was about to open it, he handed him a paper-knife with the words, You had better cut it open, sir. Why? It is best not to injure the seals that fasten a package. Just as you say, Muller, answered the young commissioner, smiling. He was still very young to hold such an office, but then he was the son of a cabinet minister, and family connections had obtained this responsible position for him so soon. Kurt von Mayringen was his name and he was a very good-looking young man, apparently a very good-natured young man also, for he took this advice from a subordinate with a most charming smile. He knew, however, that this quiet, pale-faced little man in the shabby clothes was greater than he, and that it was mere accident of birth that put him, Kurt von Meyringen, instead of Joseph Muller, in the position of superior. The young commissioner had had most careful advice from headquarters as to Muller, and he treated the Secret Service detective, who was one of the most expert and best-known men in his profession, with the greatest deference, for he knew that anything Muller might say could be only of value to him with his very slight knowledge of his business. He took the knife, therefore, and carefully cut open the paper, taking out a tiny little notebook, on the outer side of which a handsome monogram gleamed up at him in golden letters. "'A woman made this package,' said Muller, who had been looking at the covering very carefully. "'A blonde woman.' The other two looked at him in astonishment. He showed them a single blonde hair which had been in one of the bread seals how i was murdered those were the words that commissioner von Mayringen read aloud after he had hastily turned the first few pages of the notebook and had come to a place where the writing was heavily underscored the commissioner and Amster were much astonished at these words but the detective still gazed quietly at the seals of the wrapping "'This heading reads like insanity,' said the commissioner. Muller shrugged his shoulders, then turned to Amster. "'Where did you find the package?' "'In Garden Street.' "'When?' "'About twenty minutes ago.' Amster gave a short and lucid account of his discovery. His intelligent face and well-chosen words showed that he had observation and the power to describe correctly what he had observed." his honest eyes inspired confidence where could they have been taking the woman asked the detective more of himself than of the others the commissioner searched hastily through the notebook for a signature but without success why do you think it is a woman this writing looks more like a man's hand to me the letters are so heavy and that is only because they are written with broad pen interrupted muller showing him the writing on the package here is the same hand but it is written with a fine hard pencil and you can see distinctly that this is a woman's handwriting and besides the skin on a man's thumb does not show the fine markings that you can see here on these bits of bread that have been used for seals the commissioner rose from his seat you may be right muller we will take for granted then that there is a woman in trouble it remains to be seen whether she is insane or not yes that remains to be seen said muller dryly as he reached for his overcoat you are going before you read what is in the notebook asked commissioner von Meyringen. muller nodded "'I want to see the wagon-tracks before they are lost. "'It may help me to discover something else. "'You can read the book and make any arrangements you find necessary after that.' "'Muller was already wrapped in his overcoat. "'Is it snowing now?' he turned to Amster. "'Some flakes were falling as I came here. "'All right, come with me and show me the way.' Muller nodded carelessly to his superior officer, his mind evidently already engrossed in thoughts of the interesting case, and hurried out with Amster. The commissioner was quite satisfied with the state of affairs. He knew the case was in safe hands. He seated himself at his desk again, and began to read the little book which had come into his hands so strangely." His eyes ran more and more rapidly over the closely written pages as his interest grew and grew. When, half an hour later, he had finished the reading, he paced restlessly up and down the room, trying to bring order into the thoughts that rushed through his brain. And one thought came again and again, and would not be denied in spite of many improbabilities, and many strange things— WITH WHICH THE BOOK WAS FULL, IN SPITE ALSO OF THE VARYING UNCERTAIN HANDWRITING AND STYLE OF THE MESSAGE. THIS ONE THOUGHT WAS, THIS WOMAN IS NOT INSANE. WHILE THE YOUNG OFFICIAL WAS PONDERING OVER THE PROBLEM, MULLER ENTERED AS QUIETLY AS EVER, BOWED, PUT HIS HAT AND CANE IN THEIR PLACES, AND SHOOK THE SNOW OFF HIS CLOTHING. He was evidently pleased about something. Kurt von Mayringen did not notice his entrance. He was again at the desk with the open book before him, staring at the mysterious words, How I was murdered. It is a woman, a lady of position, and if she is mad, then her madness certainly has method. Muller said these words in his usual quiet way, almost indifferently. The young commissioner started up and snatched for the fine white handkerchief which the detective handed him. A strong sweet perfume filled the room. Is it hers? he murmured. It is hers, said Muller. At least we can take that much for granted, for the handkerchief bears the same monogram, A-L, which is on the notebook. "'Commissioner von Meringen rose from his chair in evident excitement. "'Well?' he asked. "'It was a short question, but full of meaning, "'and one could see that he was waiting in great excitement for the answer. "'Muller reported what he had discovered. "'The Commissioner thought it little enough "'and shrugged his shoulders impatiently when the other had finished.' "'Muller noticed his chief's dissatisfaction and smiled at it. "'He himself was quite content with what he had found. "'Is that all?' murmured the commissioner, as if disappointed. "'That is all,' repeated the detective calmly, and added, "'That is a good deal. "'We have here a closely written notebook, "'the contents of which, judging by your excitement, "'are evidently important.' "'We have also a handkerchief with an unusual perfume on it. "'I repeat that this is quite considerable. "'Besides this we have the seals, "'and we know several other things. "'I believe that we can save this lady, "'or if it be too late, we can avenge her at least.' "'The commissioner looked at Muller in surprise.' "'We are in a city of more than a million inhabitants,' he said almost timidly. "'I have hunted criminals in two hemispheres, and I have found them,' said Muller simply. The young commissioner smiled and held out his hand. "'Ah, yes, Muller, I keep forgetting the great things you have done. You are so quiet about it. What I have done is only what anyone could do, who has that particular faculty. I do only what is in human power to do, and the cleverest criminal can do no more. Besides which, we all know that every criminal commits some stupidity and leaves some trace behind him. If it is really a crime which we have found the trace of here, we will soon discover it. Muller's editorial We was a matter of formality, he might with more truth have used the singular pronoun. "'Very well, then, do what you can,' said the commissioner with a friendly smile. The older man nodded, took the book and its wrappings from the desk, and went into a small adjoining room. The commissioner sent for an attendant and gave him the order to fetch a pot of tea from a neighboring saloon when the tray arrived he placed several good cigars upon it and sent it in to muller taking a cigar himself the commissioner leaned back in his sofa corner to think over this first interesting case of his short professional experience that it concerned a lady in distress made it all the more romantic In his little room, the detective, put in good humor by the thoughtful attention of his chief, sat down to read the book carefully. While he studied its contents, his mind went back over his search in the silent street outside. He and Amster had hurried out into the raw chill of the night, reaching the spot of the first discovery in about ten or fifteen minutes. Muller found nothing new there. "'but he was able to discover "'in which direction the carriage had been going. "'The hoof-marks of the single horse "'which had drawn it "'were still plainly to be seen in the snow. "'Will you follow these tracks "'in the direction from which they have come?' "'he asked Amster. "'Then meet me at the station "'and report what you have seen.' "'Very well, sir,' answered the workman. "'The two men parted with a handshake.' before muller started on to follow up the tracks in the other direction he took up one of the larger pieces of glass cheap glass he said looking at it carefully it was only a hired cab therefore and a one-horse cab at that he walked on slowly following the marks of the wheels his eyes searched the road from side to side looking for any other signs that might have been left by the hand which had thrown the package out of the window. The snow, which had been falling softly thus far, began to come down in heavier flakes, and Muller quickened his pace. The tracks would soon be covered, but they could still be plainly seen. They led out into the open country, but when the first little hill had been climbed, a drift heaped itself up, cutting off the trail completely. Muller stood on the top of this knoll at a spot where the street divided. Towards the right it led down into a factory suburb. Towards the left the road led on to a residence colony. And straight ahead the way was open, between fields, pastures, and farms, over moors, to another town of considerable size lying beside a river. Muller knew all this, but his knowledge of the locality was of little avail, for all traces of the carriage-wheels were lost. He followed each one of the streets for a little distance, but to no purpose. The wind blew the snow up in such heaps that it was quite impossible to follow any trail under such conditions. With an expression of impatience, "'Muller gave up his search and turned to go back again. "'He was hoping that Amster might have had better luck. "'It was not possible to find the goal "'towards which the wagon had taken its prisoner. "'If prisoner she was, as soon as they had hoped, "'perhaps the search must be made in the direction "'from which she had been brought. "'Muller turned back towards the city again, He walked more quickly now, but his eyes took in everything to the right and to the left of his path. Near the place where the street divided, a bush waved its bare twigs in the wind. The snow which had settled upon it early in the day had been blown away by the freshening wind, and just as Muller neared the bush he saw something white fluttering from one twig. It was a handkerchief, which had probably hung heavy and lifeless, when he had passed that way before now when the wind held it straight out he saw it at once he loosened it carefully from the thorny twigs a delicate and rather unusual perfume wafted up to his face there was more of the odor on the little cloth than is commonly used by people of good taste and yet this handkerchief was far too fine and delicate in texture "'to belong to the sort of people who habitually passed along this street. "'It must have something to do with the mysterious carriage. "'It was still quite dry, and in spite of the fact that the wind had been playing with it, "'it had been but slightly torn. "'It could therefore have been in that position for a short time only. "'At the nearest lantern Muller saw that the monogram on the handkerchief was the same in style and initials as that on the notebook. It was the letters A.L. End of chapter 1